Welcome to the Weimar Gad podcast of Government Policy, Real Estate, and You. My name is Liz Recchia, Government Affairs Director at Weimar, and I'm so glad you could join me for this quick update. I was walking down the hall at Weimar the other day when a member stopped me. He commented that his HOA had taken his Yes on Prop 126 sign from his front yard the night before. About a week earlier, another person had commented that her HOA wouldn't let her have her Yes on Prop 126 sign in her front yard. Can HOAs prevent you from displaying a Yes on Prop 126 sign or any other political sign in your own front yard? No. However important HOAs think they are and their rules are, they are not more important than the United States Constitution or the Arizona State Constitution, both of which guarantee you free speech, particularly political free speech. But it's up to you and me to make sure our civil rights are not violated by HOAs. Here's what Arizona Revised Statutes 33-1808C says. Notwithstanding any provision in the community documents, an association shall not prohibit the indoor or outdoor display of a political sign by an association member on that member's property, except that an association may prohibit the display of political signs earlier than 71 days before the day of an election and later than three days after an election day. That's pretty clear. The section goes on, and you can read the entire paragraph at wemargad.org. Arizona Revised Statute ARS 33-1808 is also known as the Planned Communities Act. It's the section of law that allows property owners to fly American flags, United States military flags, POW and MIA flags, the Arizona state flag, Arizona Indian Nations flag, or the Gadsden flag on their own property. Near and dear to our hearts, this is the section of law that allows property owners to post for sale or for lease signs on their property without it being a HOA mandated sign. So make sure you know your rights and help your clients know their rights. More importantly, defend your right to free speech. Go to www.wemargad.org to read Arizona Revised Statutes 33-1808. Free assumability. It's still a hot topic and seems to be growing in importance. In November 2016, I began writing associations, informing the public and WEMAR members about FHA free assumability. And my concerns that some homeowners associations governing documents may be in violation of the FHA free assumability clause. Why all of a sudden in the fall of 2016? Because that's when FHA announced it would be enforcing its own underwriting criteria. Simply put, the FHA free assumability clause states that FHA must be able to foreclose, perform a deed in lieu of foreclosure, or assign the mortgage to the secretary without restriction or limitation. Some associations have mandatory fees at transfer of title with no exclusion for lender foreclosure actions. And that's the problem. No exclusion, no FHA insurance, which means no FHA, purchase money loan, refi, or reverse mortgages. 
The trouble comes when associations don't tell their property owners or buyers in escrow about this. Property owners need to know the association governing documents preclude FHA product so they don't offer FHA terms at sale or waste time, energy, and money trying to get an FHA refi or reverse mortgage. Buyers need to be informed because then FHA buyers won't look at or place offers on properties their loan won't approve. For cash or conventional buyers, they need to know in case their future plans include an FHA refi or reverse mortgage. One of the most common complaints I hear comes from retirees in communities with governing documents that violate the FHA free assumability clause. The property owner has usually applied and been denied an FHA reverse mortgage because of a mandatory change of title fee like a recreation center fee, a capital preservation fee, or an asset preservation fee or similar named fee. For several of these property owners, an FHA reverse mortgage was always part of the retirement plan. Not being able to access the equity in their house leaves them with few options and usually means they need to sell their house. Frequently, these property owners will tell me they would not have purchased their house if they had known there would be an issue. When associations don't disclose this known fact to their property owners or buyers in escrow, they're not fulfilling their duties to their members or to the buyers on behalf of the property owner. Remar does not advise any association to change or not change their governing documents. What we encourage is associations engaging in conversation with their property owner members. Discuss the pros and cons of changing the policy openly. Allow property owner members to discuss their concerns as well. Whether an association should or should not change policy is for the board of directors, management, and the members to decide. All we ask is that the proper disclosure be given to property owners and buyers in escrow by the association. You can read more about free assumability and download an informational flyer for your clients at www.wemargad.org. Click on local news and look for the March 19, 2018 post entitled Weimar Free Assumability Education Materials for You. Prop 127. An amendment to the Arizona State Constitution to require electricity providers to generate at least 50% of their annual sales of electricity from renewable sources. I personally am on the fence about this one. Long name and not too scary until you realize that goal becomes a mandate by 2030 and only certain types of renewable energy count like wind and solar. And that 10% of energy generation must come from customer premises as of 2025. The 50% renewable energy goal is just not technologically available. Prop 127 doesn't allow most hydroelectric. They don't allow nuclear like Palo Verde. And it doesn't allow for natural gas or other renewable clean energy sources. Last year, APS presented at one of our Weimar GAT events. 30% seems like a reasonable and doable goal currently if your goal is to have reliable and affordable energy. Right now, there's no way to store solar or wind energy, and that's the problem. Think about your day. Do you and your neighbors use energy between 6 a.m. and 8 a.m.? 
And then do you ramp up your energy demand at home between about 6 p.m. and 8 p.m.? So exactly how do you ramp up and ramp down wind and solar? California is finding out you don't. So they're using diesel for their ramping up and ramping down needs, according to the Institute for Energy Research. Still not sure 50% or more wind and solar is too much or that it will impact you, your family, and the economy? Look to Australia. Last summer, they didn't have the ability to sustain electricity. Think about flipping the AC on in August, but nothing happens. In fact, the Australian Parliament released a report a few months ago outlining their concerns for Australia's energy system. What's really interesting is the backer of Prop 127, Tom Steyer, has a parallel proposition in Michigan, 50% renewable by 2030. He cut a deal with utilities in Michigan for the amount to be 25% renewable energy by 2030, and he's happy. I gotta ask, why is that a win? But Arizona, who's already on track to have more than 30% renewable energy by 2025, needs Prop 127. Add to that that he made his fortune financing coal mines in Indonesia, South Australia, and China, and his prolific use of energy tax credits. And the question of whether Prop 127 is good becomes a bit clouded. I guess what I'm really asking is, what is the plan? If we dismantle the existing energy system, how do we mechanically transition over to a system that I haven't found work yet? Which brings me to the other consideration. In California, the Public Utilities Commission, or PUC, released a report outlining their concerns for the California energy grid. Since the PUC is the regulator of energy in California, I think their concerns are worth noting. Because of the dramatically increased renewable energy mandate that basically allows only wind and solar, California cities are forming their own energy utilities. Just like our Prop 127, Government-owned and operated utilities are exempt from the regulation. Because cities hate when their residents and citizens call them up to yell about no power or rolling blackouts, the cities have been forming their own utility companies. Now they can access power from any source they wish in any amount. So in the name of providing reliable, affordable power to their residents, cities are forming their own utility companies and providing power directly to their city residents, also known as voters. It is, in fact, a wholesale deregulation of the energy markets in California. The PUC report points out that there is no oversight or organization to this deregulation. The organization of new city-owned energy companies is at the whim of each city. And because of that, the PUC is concerned for the overall structure of the California grid. After all, if large numbers of public utility customers convert over to less expensive and more reliable city-owned energy, then who will pay for the grid infrastructure? Who will the PUC regulate? And exactly what is their job now? And that is my dilemma. Do I vote no because I think Prop 127 will bring chaos to the system and bring us higher electric rates? Or do I vote yes? Because I think Prop 127 will bring chaos to the system and lead to a deregulation of the energy markets and ultimately lead to better pricing and more freedom for local government utilities and their customers or voters to access energy sources as needed. And lastly, when I read Prop 127, 
I see a strangling of human invention and creativity in finding and using energy in the future. Prop 127 is so stringent and limiting in the types of power allowed that new forms of renewable energy are precluded. For instance, back east, there are energy companies who harvest energy from road vibrations. That sounds like something we can do. But Prop 127, in my reading at least, would not allow that. Why? I have faith that human ingenuity will bring us new and better ways to access the energy we need in cleaner and more efficient ways. Of course, as written, Prop 127 would allow government-owned utilities to access these new technologies, but not private energy companies. And so my dilemma. Do I vote yes because my free market side wants the eventual outcome of deregulated and locally controlled energy markets? Or do I vote no because I think the dismantling of our system should be a more reasoned and planned approach? I encourage you to do your own research. Don't just read the publicity pamphlet. Do real research. Figure out if you are comfortable with this proposition. Or do we perhaps need a bit more conversation and planning in order to have affordable, sustainable, environmentally sound energy? I have linked some of my research at www.wemargad.org. I'm Liz Reckia. Thanks for joining me today. And don't forget to visit wemargad.org. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.